Please be seated. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There are two puzzles in this morning's reading that I want to talk about. The first is that Nathaniel goes from extreme skepticism about Jesus to calling him king of Israel in just a couple of verses. Why the reversal? And second, what is with the image of angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man? First, Nathaniel, he doesn't think much of Nazareth. When Philip tells him about Jesus, he responds, can anything good come from Nazareth? It's not clear uh, why he has such disdain for Nazareth. There are a couple of possibilities. Uh, it was a small town in rural ancient Israel, so anyone from there would not have much of an education and would not have any um, powerful or influential connections. And people expected the Messiah to drive out the Roman occupiers and restore Israel um, as an everlasting kingdom. And it probably seemed like no one from Nazareth could have the training or resources they would need to accomplish that. So that might be one reason for skepticism or another. Maybe it's just a cultural stereotype. Maybe people from Nazareth just kind of had a bad reputation. Uh, but either way, Nathaniel has disdain for Jesus before he even meets him. And it's a pretty scathing disdain. It's not just Nazareth, eh. it's more, can anything good come from there? He doesn't have a filter. Israel at that time was pretty hierarchical. You had the Roman governor and military commanders and the chief priests at the top, and then you had the large landowners and the uh, merchants and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and that pretty much covers anyone who had any power and influence in Israel at the time. Almost all those people were in Jerusalem, which was where the action happened, the capital where the temple was. Nazareth was out on the periphery, and following someone from there for Nathaniel would be going uh, away from the center, going in the wrong direction. It's easy to relate to Nathaniel. Uh, we all want to go uh, from where we are uh, to somewhere better, whether literally like picking up your things and moving into a uh, larger or nicer house, uh, or metaphorically, uh, upgrading your cable package or finding a better organizational system for your closet. It's leveling up, a term that seems to be appearing in more and more commercials. Of course, the advertiser's job is to know exactly what we want and appeal to it, and we all want to move uh, from one level to a higher level in some way. And, and then the next level after that. Uh, so there are different ladders and different arenas of life that we are trying to climb. 
for me right now. It's uh, continuing to make our house the perfect place for our family um, doing the next project. You have the kitchen lights, and then you need the new laundry room doors, and then this room needs to be painted, and there's always something more to do. Um, it's also trying to uh, perform at a high level and, and advance professionally. And, and for you, it may be something else. It may be trying to get your golf handicap under 10 or running a triathlon. And some of these ladders have higher stakes. Maybe it's uh, trying to keep your savings on track to retire at the age you hope to retire at. Um, or maybe it's to get to the point where you can start saving. There is uh, something innate in us that, that naturally wants to make things better and better. Um, and those are all, all, all good things, but there can be a dark side to them at times. For Nathaniel, his desire for proximity to power and influence shuts Jesus out. If he's going to follow someone trying to uh, be the Messiah, if he's gonna ride this wave to the top, it's, he's gonna find somebody with a better resume than the carpenter from Nazareth. But then he meets them and all of that changes. Jesus uh, first says, here is an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. Now, as we've seen, Nathaniel is an honest guy. He doesn't have a filter. So it's a true compliment, and it kind of throws Nathaniel off. He looks at Jesus and basically says, you know, how do you know me? And Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. And that is the statement that uh, immediately elicits belief from Nathaniel. So why is that the thing that convinces him? Deep down, uh, we all want to be loved. We don't want somebody to love us for our accomplishments. If you're extremely successful in business, you don't want to, uh, someone to want to be friends with you because of that success. Uh, you want them to uh, love you for who you are, not for what you've done. And so we spend all of this time and energy uh, climbing different ladders, uh, but Really, uh, the person who we are behind all of that is what's important to us. We want that person to be known. So Jesus uh, saw, Nathan, saw Nathaniel before um, Philip called him, back when he was under the tree. Think about the people who knew you before, uh, before you had any accomplishments, uh, or before you were married, or before you moved to Macon. As a parent of a toddler, I've become convinced that God created us to come into the world helpless so that our first experience of love would have nothing to do with our own merit. Daryl and I have a son who is almost three, and one of the most fun parts of that is watching him play with his grandparents. I don't remember being two years old, but when I see my parents playing with my son, it's always interesting to think that that's the way my grandparents played with me um, before I even can remember. So uh, 
people, there are people who knew you uh, deeply before you can remember, um, before any of your accomplishments. And God is one of those people. Today's psalm says that your eyes beheld my limbs yet unfinished in the womb. God's knowledge of you goes all the way back. That knowledge uh, can be intimidating. Most of us have things we don't want other people to know. For example, uh, I don't want Daryl to know how much time I've spent looking at new golf clubs on the internet <laughs> over the last couple of months. What if somebody knew um, everything you did, and not just everything you did, but also every one of your thoughts? It's kind of scary. But Jesus does know all of that, and he knows us in our sin. Nathaniel must have realized uh, that if Jesus saw him under the tree before he met Philip, then uh, Jesus saw that unfiltered, snobby put-down about Nazareth. If you've ever uh, talked badly about somebody's, uh, talked badly about someone behind their back, and then it turns out they actually were standing there and heard every word, it is a mortifying feeling. You feel completely caught out. And that's how Nathaniel uh, likely feels, but Jesus responds to his insult by complimenting him for telling it like it is. Calls him someone in whom there's no deceit, and it's true. Nathaniel says exactly what he thinks about Nazareth. But Jesus turns that uh, to a compliment. And Jesus surely uh, felt Nathaniel's contempt, but instead of doing um, what I would do, and getting defensive or snapping back at him, Jesus patiently bears that contempt. And if he uh, was wounded by that in, in some way, then he bore that wound. He returned Nathaniel's contempt uh, by welcoming him with open arms, and Nathaniel is blown away by it. When we experience being known as we are and loved as we are, good and bad, the latters all fall away. Uh, their importance becomes secondary. Now, uh, it's not always that easy to find perfect forgiveness in human relationships, and we often get in our own way. The image of the fig tree drives this home. In Jesus' time, most people um, would have known well the story of the fall in the Garden of Eden, and most people thought of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, we think of it as an apple tree. They pictured it as a fig tree. So um, it was a fig tree that Adam and Eve were standing under. And when Jesus, uh, for the first century Israelites, and when Jesus says he saw Nathanael under the fig tree, he's making the point that wherever Nathanael is on the ladders of the world, spiritually, he is right where Adam is under the fig tree. And that's where we are. St. Paul says in Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So uh, the second puzzle, angels ascending and descending, uh, this is an allusion to Genesis 28, where the patriarch Jacob dreamed, quote, 
that there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God are ascending and descending on the ladder. Um, this is the ladder of religion, the distance between us and God. And the natural human attitude of religion, um, including the natural attitude a lot of us bring to Christianity, is to see it as just another ladder to climb. If you do the right things, form the right habits, maybe uh, read the right theology book or go on a mission trip, you climb a little bit higher. Uh, that's how we tend to think. And, and all those things um, are good things to do, but religious ladder climbing as a project is fraught with problems. It can be confusing. We can think we're making progress and then find ourselves back at square one. St. Paul uh, speaks about this too in Romans. He says, I do not do the things I want to do, but I do the very things I hate. Even St. Paul had that struggle. And when we do feel like we're doing well, it can create pride. Uh, if we're focused on becoming a better person than everybody else, we start looking down on other people and that pride takes us away from God. The uh, most aggressive religious ladder climbers of Jesus's day, the Pharisees, were um, always on, on the wrong side of, of Jesus. Um, and also trying to climb the religious ladder can be exhausting and create uh, feelings of guilt, shame, and burnout. There's always another rung to climb. Um, and like St. Paul, we don't do the things we ought to do, and we often do the very things we hate. So in one way, uh, trying to love God and love others with all our heart is the only ladder that really matters. But it's also true that we can't climb it. Even in Jacob's vision, he doesn't climb the ladder. Only the angels can, and he's just standing there watching it. So heaven and earth are separate in this image of Jacob's ladder. We're down below, and we're separated from God, exiled from the Garden of Eden, and we too often uh, look down on others who we think are the wrong kind of people. We say things that wound, and sometimes the wounds don't heal. And like Nathaniel, we're often more concerned with elevating ourselves in all sorts of ways uh, than in praying or, or reading our Bibles. So how does Jesus address this problem of the ladder to heaven that we can't climb? Well, when Jesus tells Nathaniel that Nathaniel will see greater works than these, in Jesus's telling, the angels are ascending and descending on the Son of Man himself. Note that he does not uh, give us a leg up towards heaven or some new technique for climbing better. Instead, he replaces the ladder altogether. The ladder of religion is gone. Instead, there's a person, the same person who welcomed Nathaniel 
Jesus stands ready to welcome us and bear the wounds of our sins. And just like he did with Nathaniel, by willingly bearing those wounds with open arms on the cross, Jesus forever closed the gap between himself and us. So there are no more rungs to climb, just standing on the solid ground of Jesus's love and forgiveness. And in him, God sees you the way a parent, or maybe even a grandparent, sees a child. Amen.